All right, welcome back. This is episode 60 of Just a Girl from Cleveland. Another week in football. This is just the best in football season, honestly, because I go through the weekend watching football pretty much 24-7. Like, the moments I am awake, I am watching football. And then it's just great to get to sit here on Mondays and rehash everything that I just saw after having a little bit of time to decompress and and think about everything that happened. Because there's always so much unexpected um, and, you know, crazy turns of events And so it's nice to kind of debrief on this podcast every week and get to talk about this incredible sport and that it was this weekend, some really, really crazy things happening in the NFL. Um, And then we also had college football. And I, you know, here's the thing. I am obviously such a big Ohio State fan, but I feel like college football has been more of a downer with Ohio State this year than it has in years past. And part of that is probably because when I was a student there, I was so connected to it because it was was literally the school I was at and I was living and breathing it every single day. So it's obviously a little different as you get further away. But at the same time, it's also just the team is different this year. It doesn't have the same zip to it that it usually does. Still some really incredible things. Um, and sometimes the hard thing with college football, too, is just struggling with these unbalanced matchups. So obviously we played Akron this last weekend. And there's never that much to say when you play a team that you're that far superior to. Um, obviously, I am glad it was a blowout win because I think the team needed that for confidence, uh, considering we have not been able to do that so far. Uh, and I know it was just Akron, but that you need to win those games like that. Um, I was nervous for just a second when we went down 7-0 early, but obviously really pulled through um, and played a somewhat decent game. Um, just a couple notes that I had from it. Henderson, obviously great again. Don't even need to say anything about it. It's the same thing every week. He's just an incredible running back. He is going to be playing on Sunday someday. Fantastic runner. Um, But the bigger story, I guess, would be the quarterback situation. So CJ obviously did not play, kind of dealing with some injury stuff that he has been dealing with. But I think it's important to have him actually heal up and not let him not let it affect him any further. Um, So Kyle McCord got the start. Jack Miller also got some time, but Kyle played more of the bulk of it. Um, He was 13 of 18, 319 yards, two touchdowns, one interception. Had some of the same issues as CJ was having early on in games with inaccuracy, overthrowing, but I think he did settle in a bit and got the hang of it. Um, And then, like I said, Jack Miller got some time as well. A couple reps, five of eight with uh, 66 yards. So um, overall, just good to get some other guys out there. You never know what's going to actually happen with CJ. So in-game reps are really important for young quarterbacks. Um, We talk about that in the NFL as well, that you can't learn unless you just do it. Practice, of course, is important and you should practice hard because that will translate to the field. Uh, But at the same time, there is no uh, duplicate for in-game reps on 
that game day playing against an opponent rather than playing against your teammates in practice. It's just, it's totally different. So I think it's good to get both of them some time out there because we don't know how we're going to need them uh, potentially in the future with whatever happens with CJ. Um, I, I don't have that much else to say about college football, to be honest, because I just, again, have so many NFL storylines I want to cover and get into uh, before I get into the Browns game. Um, so I'm just going to jump right in uh, to those few things. So first off, I'll start with Bengals beating the Steelers. Pretty exciting. Um, I'm not that surprised by it, to be honest, just based on what we've seen from the Steelers thus far. Big Ben was sacked four times at that, in that game and threw two interceptions, I believe. Um, and he looks awful, to be honest. I, there's there's no other way to say it. He looks really bad. There was one video I saw of him when he you know, dropped back and he ch- attempted to make a throw but fell over while making the throw. Uh, completely untouched, not a single defender close to him in any way, just truly um, the least athletic thing I've seen in my entire life. Uh, and that's just kind of the state of the Steelers right now. It's it's not pretty. And I don't really know where they go from here this season because they have committed to having Big Ben around for another year like he wanted. You've got Mason Rudolph and Dwayne Haskins on the bench. I don't know what has to happen for them to potentially turn to one of those guys. I don't think they have a ton of confidence in either of those guys at this moment in time. But I mean, just when you watch what the Steelers offense is doing, you have to feel like there's something better that they can put out there uh, than that. It's, It's not pretty. And I know the Steelers are also dealing with some injuries on defense and their defense is something that they kind of have been really riding behind for ever. I mean, the Steelers defense, that's how, how it works. Um, but especially being banged up now, it's it's definitely not helping them. So the Bengals were able to win. And I don't want to discount the Bengals in that just because the Steelers are banged up and Big Ben looked bad. The Bengals are a little better than I think people maybe thought they were going to be just because uh, the division is so strong with the Browns and the Ravens. Um, usually the Steelers very strong. We had three playoff teams last year, and the only one that was not a playoff team was the Bengals. Uh, so I think people just automatically want to discount them, but um, they don't look half bad. I, they obviously have a ton of work to do still. Um, I still see some offensive line issues with them as well, but I think they're going to be... a tougher competitor than maybe we originally thought. Uh, And you should take every opponent in the NFL seriously, as I will say every single week. Every opponent should be taken 100% seriously. Okay, next game I want to get into is Ravens-Lions. So I was watching, I think it was on at the same time, was the Rams and the Bucks game, um at the same time as the Ravens and Lions game. And I got a notification that at the end of the game, there was a minute left, the Lions were up. And I was like, wow, the Lions are actually going to beat the Ravens. What a crazy thought. Uh, Of course not. 
uh, Justin Tucker with a 66-yard field goal. Seems impossible because it should be considering that was the longest field goal in the history of the NFL. Uh, And if someone was going to make that, it was going to be Justin Tucker. It was wild to watch that moment happen. Uh, And even though it was going to be this, you know, record-breaking moment before he kicked it, you kind of had this feeling that he was going to make it. And as I get into the next game, which will be Green Bay 49ers, I had a similar feeling in that game. Some of these kickers are just so incredible that you just have this feeling that they're going to be able to do it. Uh, and Justin Tucker is that guy. He's always been that guy where you have the, the most confidence in him. And the Ravens get super freaking lucky again, which it feels like that's been the name of the game for them this season, uh, which maybe is some good karma coming their way after all the injuries that they had to battle leading up to this season. Uh, We all kind of thought that it it might not look too great for them. And to be honest, it hasn't looked great. They've had a lot of weak moments, uh, but then you have... Lamar Jackson makes some incredible plays. You make a 66-yard field goal, and you give yourself a chance to win some games. So, I mean, props to them. They they were able to get it done. Feel bad for Lions fans, though, because that one has got to hurt when you, when you are on the other end of that massive, massive field goal. Okay, and then next game, like I said, uh, kind of hinted to a little bit, Green Bay and the 49ers. So this was the big Sunday night football matchup of the week. A lot of talk still continuing around Aaron Rodgers. And I think if there were any more lingering questions on how seriously he takes this game and how seriously he takes his job, I think he maybe shut up a lot of those people after what he did in the last 37 seconds of that game with no timeouts left, taking his team down the field to get them into field goal range. Uh, You give Mason Crosby a chance to kick a 51-yarder, and like I said, I had the same feeling in that one. He's making that field goal, absolutely. You could tell Aaron Rodgers knew that he was going to make that field goal when he went to spike the ball down uh, to stop the clock. He was so pumped up in that moment. He was like, yep, I did it. I did my job. Got us down to here. Mason's going to make it. Green Bay wins the game, Um, and just watching it was incredible, and the iconic moment after the game of Aaron Rodgers with a little smirk on his face saying, how can you not be romantic about football? And honestly, that that clip has just lived in my head for the last 24 hours now. I can't stop thinking about it. It was just a beautiful moment and everything that I feel about the game because that was a romantic moment watching that that drive and him bring his team down the field like that it was it was really really cool um and the 49ers played a great game I'm still interested to see what they're going to do about the quarterback situation because I don't think Jimmy G played an outstanding game by any means he had some good plays he had some mistakes as well, some some interceptions. Um, but I really feel like that they should have probably been uh, running the ball a little bit more considering the Packers' defense. And uh, Trey Lance is a guy that gives you you know, some versatility with, with running the ball that Jimmy G does not give you. And I feel like they could have used him a little bit more. Obviously, they brought him in to score that touchdown at the very end of the first half just to, to run it in. But um, it, it was that was also funny because you knew as soon as they brought him in that he was going to run it, and it's it didn't matter. He still scored. 
um, just good play call and, and whatnot. So he did a great job with what he had to do. I just feel like I, at some point, I know Jimmy G's been fine, but when do you turn to Trey Lance? Because he just offers you something different uh, than what Jimmy G can do. I don't really know the answer to that, um, but tough loss. Obviously, there's there's things the 49ers could have done better, but they did play a, a good game against a really, really good team, uh, and it could have gone either way. So I don't think they leave that feeling horrible about themselves. I mean, any loss, you feel horrible, but you didn't get blown out. <laughs> so that's always a good time, uh, which is in stark contrast to the Browns and the Bears game that I'm going to get into now because holy defense. I mean, I I don't even know <laughs> what to say after watching that defensive performance and how critical we've been of the Browns defense last year and the start of this year. It was... It was amazing. Um, There were nine total sacks that the Browns had. The breakdown was Miles, 4.5 sacks, Clowney, two, JOK, half a sack, Ronnie Harrison, one sack, Malik Jackson, half a sack, and Tack McKinley, half a sack. Um, There was constant pressure on Justin Fields. um, And not to discount what our defense did, but I think everyone's a little bit confused on what Matt Nagy was was doing with that offense because he put Justin Fields in probably the worst position possible to succeed as a rookie coming into that game. I know they have uh, not a great offensive line, but you you would just think that maybe it would look a little bit better than that. But man, poor Justin Fields, he got he got beat up uh, and. I feel like two seconds of maybe like a little bit of empathy for him because of my my Buckeye roots and I love love him in college. I still love him as a player, but on Sunday, I just didn't I didn't care. I'm like keep sacking him, keep going, do it again, do it again. Didn't matter. I just the Browns needed to win and the defense needed to play like that. Um, so yeah, and getting into my five key takeaways, that was my number one, which was obviously just the way they came out there aggressive. You heard Kevin Stefanski talk about and practice all week. You could tell that they were hungry and they were ready to play well. They were pumped up all week, pumped up all day on Sunday, just ready to go. Uh, and they showed up when we needed them. Uh, and especially because our offense wasn't as, um, strong at the beginning of the game as they have been in past weeks and uh you know just a lot of times throughout the season uh or throughout the season and last season uh you just we needed our defense to play like that in order for us to to be able to get through that game um I think we sometimes are hard on our offense because last year you know they had to put up like 50 50 points a game in order to win a game. It, w- it was insane sometimes because our defense wasn't able to hold anyone. 
now that they're that much better, our offense doesn't have to do that anymore. So I think our offense had still a decent game. It, it wasn't bad by any means, but um, they just don't have to do everything in order to win when our defense can step up in that way. Uh, so that's definitely something that I think uh, stood out to me. But those sacks were incredible. The Miles chant around the stadium uh, was incredible and a really cool moment for him. I know he was pumped about that and he wants to be in Cleveland forever, which we always love to hear. We'll keep him forever. Uh, truly a once in a lifetime kind of player. And he really silenced people who have been doubting him and saying that he uh, hasn't been doing enough. I know last week he kind of had a call to action to the rest of the defense that he was getting chipped a lot against uh, the Texans and that he needed other guys to step up and, and make plays. Uh, interestingly enough, Chicago did not really chip him at all, which I'm not sure why. But at the same time, that allowed him to step up and make plays and also allowed a lot of other guys to step up and make plays too. The ones I all listed off contributing to sacks in some way. It was really good to see and they listened and they answered. Okay, so yes, that was first takeaway. My second takeaway, OBJ is back. Super exciting. Um, first game back after his injury. I know he was really nervous and I really felt for him because... He's even talked about this, like he's not the one constantly, you know, talking about these narratives and putting these things out into the world about him and Baker's chemistry or him not wanting to be in Cleveland or him, yada, 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 whatever people have to say about him. He has truly kept his mouth shut for the last year, hasn't really done a lot of media coverage, said a lot. He just wanted to get healthy, keep his head in the right place, and get back so he can contribute and, and play on this team, uh, and he did just that. So I think just the outside pressure can be a lot sometimes when everyone else is talking about his return, and he just wants to to get out there and, and work his way back into playing this game again. It can I'm sure that's super overwhelming, so I totally understand that, Um but he came out in warm-ups wearing a Jarvis shirt, which I thought was really nice. Apparently, he had already planned on wearing that shirt at some point and had it, but it worked out nicely that, you know, unfortunately, Jarvis is hurt right now. OBJ was coming back. He could kind of wear it to support his buddy, so that was pretty cool. Um, but he ended up having five catches for 77 yards. Um, he, like I said, he did. He looked tired. He said he was tired. Uh, he obviously like I mentioned earlier, in-game reps are just different than everything else you can do um, because you can't do anything halfway in-game. You have to do everything at a 100% level, and I'm sure that just was wearing on him throughout the day. He got a decent amount of reps, so um, it did feel like, though, he fit pretty seamlessly into the offense. He and Baker connected, like I said, five times. I know there were he was targeted maybe a couple other times, but Overall, it was decent. Uh, he also said his shoulder popped out at one moment and he popped it back in. Very reminiscent of Baker uh, a week ago, or was that two weeks ago? Uh, whenever it was, Baker <laughs> popping his shoulder back in. So I guess that's just our thing now. We just popping shoulders in and out. It's not a big deal. We move on with the, the game. Got some tough guys out there. Um, but people are still going to criticize, I think, 
OBJ no matter what he does. But I think what really stood out to me was that his EPA was 5.9, which was the highest of any skill player on the field. So it shows that he added to the game and added to our team. And that's what you want to happen at the end of the day. Uh, so I'm happy for him that he got that first game out of the way and maybe the pressure is off a little bit now that they were able to connect a few times and we can just move on and not have so much focus put on to when is OBJ coming back and thinking about how that's going to go. Okay, next, gotta talk about Demetric Felton. So, you know, we've had a lot of a lot of rookies step up. You've had Anthony Schwartz, first game, step up. Demetric Felton stepped up. JOK this week, really stepping up on defense with um, some injuries. He got a lot more time, really stepped up. But man, Demetric Felton is quite the steal that we got in this last draft. Um, He had seven returns for 103 yards, so that's an average of 14.7 yards per return. His longest one was 24. And... Man, it was fun just watching him do it each time because he really gave each one his all. It just it was very reminiscent of of Josh Cribbs just in the way that like he was our guy at as a returner and you just always knew that he was going to give his best effort and was probably going to get more than um you expected him to. You think he's going to get tackled. He gets you a couple extra yards. Really exciting to watch that and you know, I kind of had felt originally oh, felt Felton. Good, good joke. Uh, I had kind of felt originally that we should use him as a returner after we had drafted him, just based on you know what he what he had looked like and what he brought to the table. Um, he's not just quick, but like I said, he doesn't give up, and he was just looked incredibly agile and I'm happy that we're using him in this way and it seems like since it's working out and I'm the coaches are obviously seeing that I think it's going to continue and he's really can settle into this role I, I think last year that was one thing I personally struggled with watching it felt like we were never we never had a guy that was great returning I know Peoples Jones was doing some returning and he was fine, but it felt like his first step was always a little bit slow. Um, I think, I believe Hodge did some returning last year as well. Um, but I, yeah, first step was always a little bit slow. And you really like seeing Demetric Felton get quick off on that first step when he, when he catches the ball. So it's been fun to watch and I hope he continues to do that. And he had more yards returning than the Chicago Bears had on offense. So great stuff all around there. Okay, and then my last takeaway. Very important. I think we might have found our kicker, which very exciting. Chase McLaughlin, 4 for 4 uh, on field goals yesterday. Uh, 57 yards was his longest field goal by a kicker in First Energy Stadium ever. Uh, So great on him there. We really needed that one at that moment too, just momentum in general. Awesome to see. Um, And again, another reminiscent of old days, Phil Dawson would be extremely proud of what he's seeing from Chase McLaughlin. We've struggled with kickers for many, many years um, ever since 
probably ever since Phil retired. So it's good to have a guy make all of them, first of all. Uh, and second, be able to make those long ones. 57 yards, pretty decent. It's no uh, 66 from uh, the the um, Ravens game, but it's still very impressive. And he got it done for, for our team. Um, so those were my, my major takeaways. The only thing I didn't get into that I definitely want to make sure I mention uh, before I kind of look towards our, our matchup next week, Kareem Hunt. Uh, what a game for him. Nick Chubb wasn't gaining a lot early on in the game, so I think we started going to Kareem a little more, using him in different ways, especially now that uh, Jarvis is hurt. We could use Kareem almost in the place of him in some ways uh, as a receiver and he was electric it's just it's so exciting to have so many weapons that even if someone's not having their best day like like I said Nick Chubb wasn't really gaining a lot of yards early on on his runs uh, that we just tried out some other stuff and it started working um so that was awesome to see. And and like I mentioned, I know Baker had a couple of mistakes, a couple rough throws, nothing crazy, but he was incredibly accurate the first two weeks. It was like 81 or 82% accuracy. That's just not sustainable. So I think it's okay that he dropped off a little bit. It's normal to make some mistakes. We can't expect perfection. Um, but, you know, he still picked things up and had a decent game overall, especially with the offensive line looking banged up, which is usually our old reliable. Uh, They were not as reliable, but we still managed to make things happen on offense. So great, like I said, great game from Kareem Hunt. I was really happy to see that from him. Okay, so looking to this upcoming matchup, which is on my birthday, very exciting. I'm turning 26, old, really old. In my mind, it's really old because I still feel like I'm 18 years old in my mind. But uh, turning 26, Vikings-Browns game is on my birthday. Uh, I'm a little nervous for this game, to be totally honest, because I think the Vikings have looked better thus far than what I thought before the season. I kind of have a similar feeling about the Bengals, as I mentioned earlier. Um, We're on the road. And just another reminder, no easy weeks in the NFL. Uh, And even though the Vikings are 1-2 and going into this matchup, they lost by 3 to the Bengals in overtime, 1 to the Cardinals, who are a really explosive offense, and then they beat the Seahawks by 13. So just like when you look at most teams, if a couple things go differently, we're looking at facing a 3-0 and Vikings team instead of a 1-2 and Vikings team. So I think this matchup must be taken seriously. It's a Probably an important game for Kevin Stefanski returning to his old team where he was last coaching before he came to the Browns. He won't make it about him in any way because that's just not him, but I'm sure the thought has crossed his mind. (laughs) Um, And obviously we hope that the defense can replicate what they did to the Bears. Um, And to that I look at, you know, the Vikings offensive line, which has improved a little in the first three weeks. They gave up a couple sacks the first week, I believe three sacks, and then only one in week two. Um, So improvement there, and I believe only one in week three as well, uh, just to put some less pressure on Kirk Cousins, who looked pretty decent against the Seahawks. So they have improved as time has gone on, and I hope that um, the Browns can still apply that same type of pressure that we are applying to the Bears. Hope we can do that again because that's really fun to watch and I'd I'd love to see it again. So excited for that. Um, That's all I have for you guys today. 
I'm going to go watch some Monday Night Football. We got Cowboys-Eagles. I'm going to watch the Manning cast because my guy, LeBron James, is joining the broadcast tonight. Really exciting. I think I also saw Matt Stafford, Nick Saban, which that's a pretty cool one as well, too, I would say, uh, to be able to get um, Nick Saban out there. Uh, But yeah, LeBron, let me double check the last one. Oh, and Chris Long. So those are the four that they got joining today. Excited to see what LeBron has to offer. I know he's like, definitely, he is a Browns fan, but he's also low-key a little bit of a Cowboys fan too, so I'm sure he'll be rooting for them tonight, but excited to watch that. Another great night of Monday Night Football, uh, and I'll talk to you guys next week.